from St. Louis Public Radio. This is Politically Speaking. It would be an understatement to say that Congresswoman Cori Bush has had an eventful first few months in the U.S. House. The St. Louis County Democrat experienced an insurrection and an impeachment before her first month was complete. Now Bush is focusing her attention on environmental legislation that she says could be a game changer for cities across the country. On this edition of Politically Speaking, I team up with the hosts of We Live Here to talk with Bush about the prospect of her ambitious legislation making it to President Joe Biden's desk. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. We have to talk about things that matter to people. I've tried to bring that same aggressive iconoclast style with me to uh, the United States Senate. I think my district is a model for the state. We put Missourians first. You just kind of have to find the common ground with people. I believe that this district deserves someone who represents their values. After I came back to St. Louis, I started thinking that I could have a bigger role on the change that I wanted to make. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Rosenbaum, a political correspondent with St. Louis Public Radio and the host of Politically Speaking. What you're about to hear is a conversation with Congresswoman Cori Bush, a Democrat who represents St. Louis and parts of St. Louis County in the U.S. House. I'm teaming up here with Jia Ling Yang and Lauren Brown of We Live Here to speak with Bush about her environmental legislation that she proposed over the last few months. And this conversation will be part of an episode of We Live Here that will be released in the coming weeks. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Congresswoman Cori Bush. Well, thank you again, Congresswoman Cori Bush, for joining us today. We have 20 minutes and we want to honor your time, so we'll jump straight to it. Could you please tell us the story of how you decided to partner with Senators Ed Markey and Tammy Duckworth to introduce the Environmental Justice Mapping and Data Collection Act of 2021? Sure. Um, so actually, so I have to say that it wasn't, uh, it didn't start off as my idea, um, but because of the work that we've done in the community, um, you know, previously uh, as it relates to environmental justice or environmental injustice, um, you know, we were, our team was outreached to be able to, um, to see if we wanted to uh, partner in this and um, if we had any input, if, you know, um, how we could work together to bring about um, a mapping, uh, a, a data mapping uh, uh, tool. And so, of course, you know, we jumped on it because we do understand that this is something that has to happen to make sure that our communities that are oftentimes the ones that are overlooked or um, left out, left behind, when we talk about um, uh, um, what is needed to better our environment, what is needed to help. And then also when we talk about the climate crisis period and who's mostly affect, who's most directly affected, but then who are the ones that are doing, um, who are the ones that are um, behind all of it, you know, making sure our communities get what we need. This is the step, um, being able to have this um, committee, you know, to establish this committee where there are representatives from the EPA and the Bureau of Indian Affairs and um, and so many other groups to be able to have that, um, to be able to make sure that we are touching every area of our community um, is, uh, you know, this is just a great thing for us. 
Now, the bill includes police violence as an environmental risk factor. What would you say to someone who doesn't understand why it's important to connect police violence and issues like air quality monitoring and fossil fuel infrastructure? Sure, police violence is a form of environmental justice. It, it, it's an existent, existential threat you know, that, that leads so many people. Um, it leads so many people across St. Louis to live in a lethal environment. You know, we live in an environment where we have to wonder not only if I walk out of my home, you know, could I be um, shot and killed by police, but also in my own home. You know, could something happen while I while while I'm sleeping in my bed? You know, so this it, we're talking about what affects your environment, the environment around you. So that includes gun uh, gun violence, communal violence. It affects any. We're talking about anything that is going to um, that's in our environment that changes um, or affects our way of life. And so, police violence has to be a part of that. And for us, it was um, it was uh, important to get this. In, in this bill, because St. Louis is and has been for so long, number one for police murder in the country per capita, um, and then also fluctuating number one and number two, you know, oftentimes per capita for, um, for homicides. Uh, so th it, this was something that our community needed. Um, and, you know, everywhere, my promise to St. Louis was that I would do the absolute most for each and every person, starting with those who have the very least, and that this, this work would be bold transformational change that we would be um, working towards. So every single thing that we do, we look at it from the lens of what St. Louis needs. One of the big changes that could be coming to Congress is that earmarks may be coming back. And even though you're not a member of an appropriations committee, do you think that the return of earmarks could be a chance for you to bring back money to St. Louis and and actually pinpoint federal dollars on some of the environmental issues that are going to be on this mapping proposal that you've you, you've presented over the last couple months? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, we are going to use every single opportunity. Um, that we have, we're going to use every connection, every relationship that we've built. Um, we've had, um, you know, I've had conversations um, with our chair of the appropriations committee. Um, so we are we are in communication as well as my team is in contact with with um, with the chairwoman's team. You know, we're in conversation with other members on the appropriations committee, um, and so. Uh, we are already looking at what we can do and how we can bring resources to St. Louis. And let me just say, you know, if if making sure that we were able to secure the 517, you know, million dollars for St. Louis City alone, plus the 196 million for um, St. Louis County, uh, and that was just the that was just the money that goes to the local governments, not including um, money that go that's going to education and um, and all of the other areas. So um, absolutely, because we did that work. That was just us getting a taste of, you know, what can we do? How can we look at what St. Louis needs and bring that home? Um, so that let that be an indicator of how much we're going to work to um, make sure that funds are coming. And then also, when we look at um, uh, the work that we're doing right now, even with community projects um, that um, where we're um, trying to make sure that we put forth um, 10 amazing proposals to try to get those, um, try to get these, uh, 
um, these proposals funded, you know, all across our district, not just in the city, not just in the county, but all across our district. You know, our team is doing deep work to make sure that we pull out what's saying, what we really, really need. So one of the things that you have mentioned before, and I think you're going to actually be talking about this uh, tomorrow, Thursday, we're recording this on Wednesday, April 21st, is the filibuster being a big impediment to things like the mapping bill that you're proposing, as well as the Green New Deal for cities, which you talked about on St. Louis on the air earlier this week. There's been talk about you know, maybe going to a talking filibuster, which is kind of similar to what happens in the Missouri Senate. Is that a good solution here? Or are you just thinking you, the Senate needs to get rid of the filibuster by any means necessary for some of this environmental legislation to make it to Biden's desk? Yeah, I am, you know, I'm all for a totally eliminating um, the filibuster. I know that there's talk back and forth um, about uh, making sure that, you know, we get some type of reform. Um, and I do agree that we, we need something to happen um, right away. So the talking filibuster, um, you know, I know that it is on the table, but when we're talking about from workers' rights to reform, we have a mandate to deliver on this bold agenda that we promised. And uh, so, uh, you know, looking at this pandemic, looking at the pandemic, looking at the economic pain and looking at how many people are hurting right now. This is our chance to make good on our voting rights, make good on voting rights, make good on climate justice, um, worker protections, gun violence prevention, like policing. You know, we have to make a meaningful impact on the lives of everyday people. And I don't believe that we can do that by trying to cut up the filibuster to say, we can keep it here, we can keep this part, we can move, remove this part. We need to make sure that the American people know that Congress is fighting for them. And the only way to fight for them to make sure that our LGBTQ community, that that those those rights are protected to make sure that we get the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, get, that we get that through, that we get the PRO Act through, and that there's so many, so many of uh, so much legislation um, that's going to affect regular everyday people is on the table. Um, and so right now, I'm pushing to totally eliminate it. Um, you know, this filibuster for you know making sure people understand this is a this is a relic of Jim Crow that's been used to stall racial equity and justice. And it continues to be a tool of obstruction to this day. And so I can't play with let's do a piece and let's not, you know, we're going for all of it right now. Uh, to go back to the Green New Deal deal for cities for a second, mm-hmm. um, do you think elements of that bill may end up making it into the infrastructure legislation that's been talked about? And that legislation could go around the filibuster. And I ask this because there does seem to be a lot of similarities about your goals about combating environmental racism, as well as President Biden's goals, because Mm -hmm. he's talked about spending $2 trillion over the next few years on this. So is that a vehicle you think to get some of the things you talked about in that bill into law? Uh, You know, because of the similarities, I would say yes. Um, but, you know, we are, you know, I think that the focus being on what what are the things that we're looking to accomplish to make sure that we bring home those deliverables for St. Louis. So yes, we know that um, our president 
is um, our president and the administration are working hard um, to be able to do things that that you know we heard for several months you know um, over the last year um, would not could not happen that he would not that he would not do um, we're seeing him to we are seeing him do those things um, I right now. Um, understanding that environmental justice has to be the center of any and all um, environmental policy, whether it's coming from his administration or it's coming from Congress, you know, we can't address it. And the myriad of, cha of challenges that this is going to pose without prioritizing the people. And to me, that is where it's, where it's going to start. So for me, prioritizing the people is going to be, I, I know that there are pieces that will come that um, hopefully will be able to be a part of what our president is doing. But, um, but the Green New Deal for Cities um, is some is a way for us to make sure that all the things that we're asking for. And one part of that I have to say um, is the part where we're saying that we um, want to make sure that the money that is being used, that those resources um, that will be coming to our communities, our cities, our counties, our um, our states, our territories, our tribes, that that money is going to be used in the areas that are not, um, where money is not gonna be funneled to law enforcement, any type of law enforcement, that that money and that 50% of those investments are gonna go directly to those frontline communities who need it most. And for us, that's important. So that's why this bill, um, us pushing through all the things that we want to see in this bill are important. Um, why should St. Louis be at the forefront of the fight to end environmental racism? <clears throat> <laughs> um, you know, St. Louis has been at the forefront of quite a few of quite, you know, we've been at the forefront of movement. And um, I think that why not? You know, why not? I have seen so many amazing uh, environmental justice activists, um, sh you know, just doing the work, you know, making their voices heard, you know, right now, looking at what has happened with Coldwater Creek, looking at what has happened with um, Westlake Landfill, um, you know, and the work that has happened because our activists locally have pushed, you know, um, that is the work of, the, of those activists, um, because gun violence is what gun violence is right now, you know, looking at where we are, like I said before, number one, number two for homicides all um you know we're always at the top for violent crime at the top of the list we're always um at the top of the list for and we're at the top of the list for the murder of children in this country so because our environment affects affects us this way where we're living in a lethal and toxic environment we should be at the forefront and not only that um you know as a as a black woman in this country, it was imperative for me to stand up and to use my voice. When I say I'm trying to save black lives, I'm working to, in legislating to save black lives and save brown lives and to save trans lives and to save the lives of indigenous folks. I can't do that and not address what's happening in our environment. We have line three that, you know, that is just upriver from us. We have to talk about our environment if we're talking about saving lives. And with all of the work that you're doing, what kind of environment are you hoping to create for the next generation? Oh, a joyous one. <laughs> I My work is to create a joyous um, environment where um, clean water and clean air is not a thing, where there, where Black children in St. Louis are not 10 times as likely to enter a, 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 a ER, you know, um, uh, more than uh, white children. That that's not that should not be our right our reality, you know, because of asthma, you know, because of lead and because of arsenic, because of methane. That shouldn't be our that should not be our reality. Um, a a, a world where, a community where, 
um, we don't worry about gun violence, where we're not worried about whether the police will um, see us as a threat just because just because we exist, you know, that type of a world, a world where we have um, food, we have healthy foods that we're all of our children are able to access one where we don't have community members sleeping out on the street because they don't have a home. Like that's the kind of world that we're trying to build and we're trying to build it in so many ways. So um, uh, whether it's through uh, environmental justice legislation or um, other pieces. This is what we're going to do. And so when we can improve insulation in homes, when we can weatherize homes, you know, to make it better for people as they're people as they're just living their lives, that's what we want to do. Improving air quality. We deserve that. Like this is this is what we need. And even the small things like lead and mold remediation, um, being able to breathe and being able to have um, uh, to have a quality of life, each person deserves. You know, I want to go back to the the, the president for a moment. It, it's not a secret that you were a supporter of Senator Bernie Sanders, not just this cycle, but in 2016. And I think a lot of people were going to be wondering what was going to be your reaction and your collaboration with the administration. And going back to my previous question, it seems like you and other Bernie Sanders fans seem to be relatively happy with the way Biden has performed so far. Is that a fair observation or are there things that you think the president could do better, not just on the environment, but other policy as well? You know, we're working with the, we're working with the president, um, with his um, administration, and uh, we're having talks with the White House regularly. And uh, that is the work, you know, either way it goes. So let me tell you where, what a lesson that I learned early on, um, taking this seat. You know, I was told that I wouldn't be accepted when I walked into Congress because of, you know, because I, um, you know, I won the seat from an incumbent. I was told that I would be shut out and boxed in. People would not talk to me. I would not get on the committees I wanted and all of these things. But when I actually, when I got there, well, even before I got there, the, the welcome was amazing. People were like, you know what? It, what happened happened, but you're here now and we need to do the work and work together. So that is the same thing that has happened now working with the administration, President Biden, that is our president. And that is the person who holds the pen to be able to bring home what St. Louis needs. I'm only here to make sure that we get as much as we can get. I only care about the people of St. Louis who I love so dearly and people all across this country. And so I'm working with President Biden. And yes, he's doing some things that I'm so glad to see happen. I'm so glad, but there is much work to do and we don't agree on everything and that's okay. That's why I'm here to use my voice and to help make sure that the White House, that his administration knows what we need directly. And let me say this, my conversations with the White House has been just that. St. Louis needs this. This is happening in St. Louis. I don't care what we're talking about. I don't care if it has anything to do with, <laughs> with localities in that way or not. They're going to hear about what St. Louis needs. And I feel like that is my that's the reason why I'm here. The people voted for me because of that. And I said I was taking St. Louis with me, and I do. And so because I'm no respecter of persons, I don't care what your title is. You know, and you, that won't back me down from telling you what St. Louis needs, because this is how we win. That's it for this edition of Politically Speaking. And I want to thank the folks from We Live Here for this fabulous collaboration. You can find out more about We Live Here and St. Louis Public Radio's political coverage by going to stlpr.org. Politically Speaking and We Live Here are productions of St. Louis Public Radio, which is a part of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. 
I'm Jason Rosenbaum, and I'll see you next time. From St. Louis Public Radio. This is Politically Speaking.